I'm your host, Desiree. And I'm Tyrone. And we are not your attorneys. So Desiree sent me this thing on um, DM the other day. By other day, I mean today. (laughs) And the post said something about dick pics being airdropped. And I dropped my phone. (laughs) On the New York City subway. So if y'all are not in New York, that's a big deal. These subways are crowded. And, you know, it could happen anywhere, apparently, because it's just... Uh, uh, you can explain it, Desiree. What is it? It's, it sounds terrible to me. So basically, when people have been on the subway, they've been getting random dick pics pop up on their phone because pe- somebody next to them, I guess, think you look good. They airdrop you. See if your phone pop up. You Some people with airdrop may have their photo. I don't know or their name. But yeah, you listen to music, playing a game, scrolling through Insta, you get a penis pic. <laughs> popping up well, on your phone so here's if for those of you who don't have iphones um i'm praying for you <laughs> um i'm praying that the lord blesses you because it doesn't even have to be a seven just get get on the winning team hope i still got a six <laughs> but <laughs> when you have an iphone you have this little like bluetooth feature airdrop and if you have bluetooth enabled someone can request to send you pictures or actually other types of files too, but mostly pictures people would send to each other. But the funny thing is though, it's like you have to accept it. So you got people on the train like, literally whoa. getting random requests from people. Cause Bluetooth has to be in proximity. People they know are sitting on the train with them. Exactly. And instead of just being like, nah, this is some creepy shit. These people are accepting and then they get upset about these dick pics. Like, <laughs> or it just pop up and before you can really see what it is, you're like, oh, shoot. So sometimes you got to accept to see what it is or, you, or it you just don't. pops up depending on your and phone. And that's why you don't accept the pictures. Exactly. That's like you don't accept um, phone calls. You don't recognize the number, yeah. unknown calls. Don't just, don't, it's not curiosity. So with AirDrop, I think the safest thing to do was have it for your Cons. turned on contacts only. Yes. Not everyone. Yeah. Or set, I think there's a setting for not, for not receiving is what they call it. And speaking of like dick pics, I guess maybe, <laughs> you know, there's an uproar about insecure, not using protection or showing condoms, but Issa came with them receipts. So, oh, you know, insecure, which we are, we're loving all the episodes and they just got renewed for a third season. If um, we didn't say that last episode, but I don't think so. But praise because, you know, HBO, they got a little controversy attached to them right now. (laughs) (laughs) But the issue is for some people right now, they didn't the recent episode. It really was jarring, I think, because you had some girl on girl on guy action and it really did look like this sex on Insecure looks so real <laughs> and you really just you feel like you need to fill all the parts of it. Apparently, like you need to see them put the condom on and all that yeah. type of stuff. So people are upset because they don't feel like the condom portion of the sex is being displayed very prominently. And Issa came through and she was like, what are y'all talking about? She's like, I, we specifically thought about this to the point where we put a random, not even random, a purposeful shot of 
the dresser or the floor where there's a condom, condom wrapper, condom wrapper or a mm. pack of condoms. And people are still like, oh, you don't put enough condoms. And I think it's arbitrary a little bit because you don't hold these other shows to these standards. Yeah, I think it's true. because it's a successful black show that sort of has sex as one of the plot drivers. And they're like, well, if you don't have sex, you need... No, you don't hold girls to the standard. Sure don't. don't. I never saw a condom in that show. And that was my show. I think someone said, y'all don't say nothing about Game of Thrones and maybe hitting it raw. (laughs) My only problem with this past episode was, Lawrence, you over here eating some random white girl box. Like, you are nasty. I know it's just for TV and it ain't real. But no, oh no, no. my God. I really think where this season is going is like someone's going to get an STI. And I hope it's Lawrence because I am not Team Lawrence. Um, He's just it, going down here. You know what? It could be Lawrence and Issa because <laughs> not to give away any plot points, but you know, how could, how the, could they both get it? What's the friend who was getting fingered? Kelly? It's going to be Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> she going to get like hepatitis from his face, dirty fingernails. <laughs> Okay, so let's get into this week's case, one of this week's case. So do you guys remember the show Reading Rainbow? Do you remember Tyrone? Butterfly in the sky. (laughs) He remembers. (laughs) So LeVar Burton, the narrator of Reading Rainbow and his company RR Kids are being sued for copyright infringement, conversion, cyber squatting, violations of the Lanham Act, breach of contract and interference with customer relations by WNED, a public broadcaster in Buffalo, New York, and the uh, United States District Court, Southern District of New York. And they actually, they filed two lawsuits against Burton and the organization he has, RR Kids with a Z, (laughs) and related to the ownership and use of the rights to the Reading Rainbow Mark. The first lawsuit has been ongoing for over a year, and it relates to a 2011 licensing deal between, um, you know, LeVar Burton's group and WNED. So in 2011, RR Kids obtained a license from WNED to use their intellectual property related to Reading Rainbow. WNED's claim that the 2011 deal represented a divide and conquer approach to revive Reading Rainbow, where our kids would be allowed to take over the digital distribution of the series, while they, the broadcaster, will focus on making new episodes. The profits were supposed to be split. However, according to WNED, it seems as if Burton interpreted the agreement to give unlimited rights, to give him unlimited rights to use the Reading Rainbow's intellectual property. Yeah. So, you know, Reading Rainbow had actually been on for some years, but it hasn't been on for some time in the recent past. And so that's what this deal was sort of contemplating one or both of them reviving Reading Rainbow. And apparently the way this deal was set up, LeVar Burton was interpreting it as giving him the rights to do things digitally. So in 2014, he launched a Kickstarter campaign to raise money to reboot the show. And then he brought in like, I think it was one of the highest Kickstarters Kickstarters, in history. 
um, because it was literally like 36, 48 hours or something. He raised millions of dollars, and by the end of the campaign, he had raised 6.5 million. So that speaks to the power of reading Rainbow. Right. And like the millennials and the generation a little bit older as how important it was because we are the ones who would be able to donate that much money. And our, our kids, along with Jim Hansen Company, began negotiating with Netflix for a new Reading Rainbow series, which would make sense because remember the digital side right. is what he thought that he was getting for that deal, that deal. with um, W Ned. <laughs> I know W Ned. So W Ned <laughs> felt that the actions of Burton and our kids resulted in them having a loss of control of the brand, as well as undermine their own efforts to develop a new series for Reading Rainbow. WNET <laughs> informed Burton and our kids that the 2011 licensing agreement agreement um, was terminated for a breach of contract on Burton's behalf. And additionally, WNET claimed that our <laughs> kids attempted to pledge its right under the 2000 licensing agreement to a capital firm in exchange for 2.5 million, and then t- terminated still with the broadcaster. So I'm thinking they're talking about a little tortious interference yeah. of contract right there. Um, even though our kids did not have licensees, right, got the t- licensing rights at the time because the agreement was allegedly terminated between the two. Our kids argued that the Netflix discussions pertain to original concept and not reading Rainbow. I think this area is kind of fuzzy because if you have the digital distribution rights mm-hmm. to me, you should be able to go and have a discussion with Netflix because you own those digital rights. And it speaks to the power of contracting and yeah. that how is this so ambiguous that you couldn't have one side being like, no, 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 we, we wrote this out. Mm-hmm. Reading Rainbow was going to be on television and it was going to be on a digital platform, but the television version was going to be what was duplicated on the digital platform if that's what was supposed to happen but apparently there's enough ambiguity here that LeVar Burton thought otherwise so Burton asked the New York federal judge to declare that he had fully performed under the agreement and that the licensing deal couldn't be ended and you know the lawsuit is still ongoing right now so the second lawsuit filed by WNED against Burton and our kids pertains to Burton's podcast, LeVar Burton Reads, where he narrates short stories. So the issue lies in the first episode of the podcast. Burton discusses why he decided to start a podcast. And he said that the podcast came to light because he revealed that a bunch of uh, people have been asking him for years to do a reading rainbow for adults. And, you know, strangely enough that this is being brought up in the news right now because he was really, he was just on the read, um, another podcast two episodes ago for yeah, them. Okay. And he talked about this and yeah. he said the same thing again. He said, it's sort of reading rainbow for adults. He said, it's me bringing my love of reading from the era where I worked and I gave kids that love from reading rainbow. And it's like, all right, we're doing it for adults. So I honestly, I could see a little bit why they're frustrated right yeah. there. If he keeps saying it, if he said it once inadvertently, I could be like, okay, well, it, that was one way for him to describe it. But I think he, that's sort of along the lines of when he's doing press for the podcast. podcast yeah. he, it may just be one of the things that he says to like get people in the minds, the mood of like what the podcast is about. So, you know, with him doing that, 
They're claiming WNED <laughs> claims that LeVar Burton tried to latch on to the Reading Rainbow name and create a de facto slogan for his podcast, which I don't think that's the case, really. But yeah. I, I understand what they're trying, they're trying to, to say. say. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, even though he doesn't own or have a license to use the name. So WNED further claims that Burton posted a message on the Reading Rainbow website on August 1st. And he said... Well, the notice on the Reading Rainbow website said that our kids will no longer license the Reading Rainbow brand. ReadingRainbow.com is owned and operated by WNET Buffalo. And in the corner of the website, it had a logo for LeVar Burton Kids with the link that took readers to LeVarBurtonKids.com. WNET alleges that our kids was responsible for changing the website as well as to how the Reading Rainbow uh, Skybury app on iTunes was replaced with LeVar Burton's uh, webs. LeVar Burton's app. <laughs> right. It's made up words. Skybury. Skybury. <laughs> um, yeah. Additionally, the content on the Reading Rainbow YouTube page was removed. So they're saying. LeVar Burton did all this and he's trying to tortuously interfere with our brand and, you know, take our consumers, customers, listeners over to his own. And so they brand. want, yeah, so they're really on top of this. And they're <laughs> not only are they like trying to say you need to stop using the name and the catchphrase because it's causing confusion, mistakes and possibly deceptions to the origins. W. Ned <laughs> came through and they said, we want all the profits from your podcast. Um, and the podcast has 10 episodes and um, allegedly a five star rating on some platform. I'm guessing they mean on Apple. I, yeah, on Apple. Um, so clearly you can see what their mindset is with this. Give because, me my money. <laughs> <laughs> because they're not just like, oh, we don't want to be associated with this. They're literally coming for the coin. I want to know what happened to that $6.5 million that he raised on Kickstarter. I think he's, I think the the deal's on hold. Uh, I, the part, I think there's two portions to this is that he raised a lot of money because he thought that he was going to be doing the show on his own. Correct. But then when Netflix got involved involved uh-huh. that's when they were like okay maybe like maybe they were like we'll match it and then we can do a lot more with the show type of thing well netflix might need that 6.5 million because if they keep on canceling my shows like sensei and marco polo i'm gonna be very upset so the nfl cheerleaders have been getting shafted for some time apparently mm-hmm. so they filed a class action lawsuit against the nfl and its member teams for underpayment. So I think what it is is a like a group, sort of like a collective bargaining type of thing, like the players have, but on a much smaller scale. Um, the lawsuit is led by former 49er cheerleader. However, there have been multiple past lawsuits by NFL cheerleaders against the league for underpayment, but they've all been settled. So that's why like no one's really heard anything because they pay out, pay them pay off them one off. by one because they're like, your career is going to be really short. So we won't have to deal with this much longer. And, you know, as a former cheerleader and I was a competitive cheerleader, once I found out that these cheerleaders don't make no money. Literal I pennies. Said, oh, no. So in this case, uh, cheerleader Kelsey K claims she received a wage of one hundred and twenty five dollars per game or 
$12.50 per season. That is $2.75 per hour for the 450 hours she worked. Now, $2.75 per hour, that is nowhere near minimum wage. And in California, saying. minimum wage is at <laughs> least $15. And I'm disappointed in my nighters, but... I'm no mathematician, Desiree, (laughs) but I don't think that adds up to a livable wage. At all. And especially not in the Bay. The Bay has gotten more expensive than New York. And look, and you're comparing it like according to the court documents, the NFL players are averaging um, 1.3 million a year. 1.3 million compared to 12 50 per season that is just a huge disparity and we're not talking about what the owners make literally just ridiculous so even the team mascots get paid more than the cheerleaders the The mascots the mascots get between twenty five thousand and sixty five thousand per season and some even receive retirement benefits but guess what the cheerleaders do not get retirement benefits benefits y'all they all on Obamacare, I'm assuming, because you got to go to the doctor. I feel like there's Taco Bell employees that get benefits. What? Okay. What? Okay. <laughs> so the cheerleaders are also restricted from talking about pay with other NFL squads and seeking out higher wages with other teams. To me, that sounds a little like anti-competitive monopolistic. It is. And with that point, outside of cheerleading, I think it's definitely important for friends to tell each other how much you make. I know it's sometimes taboo and people don't want to talk about it. You don't want people in your business, but you need to know what people in doing similar roles and similar jobs make. And so you, you can make sure you're absolutely. getting the fair amount, particularly as women. We know and black women, you know, you aren't making as much as a man or a white woman or even a black man. So at least try to have you and your man on the same playing field. But we need to tell each other how much we are getting paid so we can close the uh gender gap and wage gap. So the NFL uh, cheerleaders outside of not making no money and not being able to talk to other people about how much they make, they can also be subject to fines for things like not having their nails done properly. They also have to engage in weigh-ins and sometimes they can't wear underwear. Now, the biggest thing, you want me to get my nails done make two dollars and 75 cents per hour i don't got 40 50 60 dollars to get my hair and nails done every two weeks mind you they are getting fined when they so you're not giving me any money and then you want to take it away piece by piece for these arbitrary like that's that's absurd to me this is one of the most classic cases of like patriarchal oppression of women I've seen in 2017. And I'm pretty sure the NFL has a restriction like the NBA where as a cheerleader or a dancer, you can't date the players that you want to roll with and everything else. They get 1.3 million. So how do they make a living? How do they make a living? I don't understand. This sounds like, what are they, side hustle? They have to be going to do them uh, public appearances. I remember I used to see the Oakland and the Niner cheerleaders at the mall and they used to be signing autographs. I don't know if they did that for free, but I used to be like, oh, I want to be them when I grow up. But my sister was like, girl, no, don't, you're not. Don't do you it. ain't about to make no money. And on to getting paid. 
I know we said last week we wasn't going to talk about this Taylor Swift butt grab lawsuit, but a couple of things happened coming down a pipeline. <sighs> Just a two, two, two or three, maybe. <laughs> so on Friday, August 11, the judge dismissed uh, Taylor Swift as a defendant in the lawsuit filed by... The butt grabbing DJ. The DJ Muller. <laughs> yes. Tongue tied. Um, so just to remind you, Muller claimed that uh, Taylor Swift was responsible for him losing his job to due to her allegation that he groped her during a 2013 meet and greet. He said it never happened. But as Tyrone told y'all, there were photos. And the judge in the case, he determined that Swift was in no way to blame for Mueller's job loss. I don't know how he got there, but apparently he did. And the original claim was filed in 2015. And we were going to say the trial is still (laughs) ongoing. But as of several hours ago, the jury for Taylor's case against him for the uh, assault and battery, they ruled in favor for Taylor and Mueller was found guilty. And And he he had to pay her one dollar. One dollar, Bob. One (laughs) dollar. That's how you know you got money. And, and, you know, again, this was a civil case, so this was not a criminal case. So when we say the words assault and battery, we're talking about the civil version of that. So where you sue for damages. Mm -hmm. So there's no jail time associated with this because this isn't a criminal case. But who I didn't see this going that way. I mean, if it happened, it was absolutely inappropriate and she should have won. But y'all just know how I feel about Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, I guess it happened, girl. So one of my favorite cases is from episode eight, Whose Image Is It Anyway, where we discuss the lawsuit against NBA 2K for using players' tattoo images in video games. So to remind you, in February 2016, Solid Oak sued Take-Two after acquiring rights from various tattoo artists, Solid Oak argued that tattoo designs easily satisfy a standard for originality, I can't speak today, (laughs) originality, and are fixed in a tangible medium. And they're saying the tangible medium is the skin of humans. And last week, this is why we're talking about again, Take Two submitted a motion for judgment on the pleadings and argued that it has every right to showcase players as they appear in real life. And just for those of you who don't know, a judgment on the pleadings is a judgment rendered by the court prior to a verdict because no material issue of fact exists. One party is entitled to a judgment as a matter of law. So just to remind you guys, uh, the use of tattoo images has not been determined in copyright law. So if this case does not settle, this will kind of give you some case law and we'll see how you can use tattoo images of a person. But uh, before going to trial, Solid Oak and Take Two have agreed to first put before the judge the defendant's question of whether the video game publisher's use of the tattoo is either de minimis or fair use. If the use is de minimis, that means it's too minor to merit consideration. And Take Two is arguing that the tattoos rarely appear and are not the focus of the game, and that the tattoos are smaller than they appear in real life. So, you know, it makes them a little harder to see. But if the use is fair use, take two goes through a four-step factor analysis. So under the first factor, which is the purpose and character of the use, take two argues that the tattoos were originally created to serve the NBA player's self-expression. 
Take two says they're using them for authenticity to kind of make the player authentic in the game. And then the second factor is the nature of the copyrighted work. And that's arguing that any creativity must be weighed against the fact that tattoos were copied to depict real world subject matters realistically. So they're just trying to show LeBron as he is. Under the third factor, it measures the amount and substantiality of the portion used. And this factor relates to the de minimis defense. Then last, the last factor examines the effect of the use upon the potential market that the other party may have for the type of use. So the fourth factor is important because under Solid Oak's licensing agreement with the tattoo artist, it never gave them the actual right and ownership to the image of the tattoos and they don't have any rights in it. So how can you originally be in the marketplace and now try to sue people for using the tattoo in a video game? Absolutely. And it should be noted that Solid Oak has admitted to not obtaining the publicity or trademark rights necessary to depict the tattoos on merchandise. So not only are you trying to own somebody's skin, you also trying to make merchandise or say that, well, we could put this image on merchandise, but you don't even have no merchandise or rights to use merchandise under your licensing agreement with a tattoo artist. I don't even know what they're thinking, but like, it seemed like they came a little bit unprepared, to be quite honest, because a good attorney could have seen a lot of these counter arguments coming mm-hmm. from a mile away. But ultimately, take two suggests that Silent Oak argument is attempting to force public figures to seek its permission every time they want to appear in public film or photographs and that those create new works depicting the players as they actually appear with their tattoos should be enjoined and they should be paying damage to Solid Oak. And that's a very slippery slope. So I have to tell you every time I go, I have to get permission from you every time I go. So when I go play a basketball game, I need to call Solid Oak like, hey, my tattoo is about to appear on TV. Can I play in this game? It that doesn't, is crazy. It doesn't make any sense. And I would, it, I think you don't even have to be attorney to figure out how this case should and has to turn out. Yeah. Because that would stop people from getting tattoos or it would start a situation where you're signing a contract to get a tattoo. Exactly. And some athletes are doing it. I know they are in the NFL and you can refer back to episode eight where we told you that some athletes are getting the ownership rights signed over to them before they let the tattoo artist tattoo them. So they don't have to go through BS like this. So, you know, take two. They're just like, look, ruling against us is going to set bad precedent. And as Solid Oak would make money from publications and television each time that the players are on commercials or in television and their likeness is used. And they're just like, it, it wouldn't be good for all forms of law, for copyright law, for trademark law. It just, it's a very bad precedent if you rule in favor of Solid, Solid Oak. Oak yeah. And again, you, you sort of wonder why they even brought this case, knowing that all of these defenses were there for the taking, for take two. They have multiple that they can choose from and the judge uh-huh. can probably side on them with at least one or one, two. One, one, yeah. And I just think Solid Oak, again, saw an opportunity for money, but didn't quite think it out. And you know, their attorney's going to get these attorney fees, win or lose. So I don't know. I just feel like maybe a good attorney would 
have said that this is not a case. However, it's interesting. It's arguable because there's no law surrounding your tattoos. And but that, I do think that it's going to put a negative effect on the law and how people move if they don't rule and take two's favor. Agreed. Um, so let's just get like a little serious. We're not getting sad, I'm getting serious. Mm. Um, so if you have been paying attention to anything that's been going on in the world, as you should have, unless you just took a, a break from everything this weekend, we had the little incident down in Charlottesville. By the little incident, I mean the white supremacist march that happened with literal Nazi flags being that people are calling them neo-Nazis. I just, let's call them Nazis and white supremacists because that's what they are. And I would just like to recognize that young woman who was down there, that white woman, um, and she was marching against all of it. Mm-hmm. And sadly, she was um, killed by some asshole who drove his car into the, the crowd. crowd. Yeah. And then he tried to run away. He sent many blessings to her family and her soul. But not to dwell on any of this, but just a quick fuck you to all the white supremacists out there. You and your tiki torches making tiki torches look bad. Um, Our rant is over. Be safe. <laughs> Be safe, y'all. Check us out at Afropunk. Oh, yeah. Um, if you find us at Afropunk... We may have a little swag. I heard through the grapevine mm-hmm. that we may have a little something, something. So maybe they'll be we'll be debuting some stuff out there. And if you guys like it, maybe we could talk to someone. And, and let us know if there's any topics um, that we have not covered or any area of the law with related current cases that you have an interest in. So you can go to our new website poplawpodcast.com bitches <laughs> <laughs> alright y'all have a good week bye